This is episode 99 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we'll be talking about engaging the world through a Christian worldview with Ben John. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, I'm so glad that you're here. Ben John is joining us from the UK to talk about what the Christian worldview is and how that's applicable to our travels. But before we dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find links to our podcast, social media platforms, and we are doing a giveaway for our travel journal. As we are approaching the end of our second year and going into our third, we wanted to celebrate. So be on the lookout on our social media platforms for information about that. But without further ado, Ben John leads development of the Wilberforce Academy, initiative of Christian Concern. Ben joined Christian Concern in 2018 because of his passion to see young Christians equipped to engage with the current challenges facing the church in the UK today. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Going really well, thanks, Sarah. It's good to be with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so tell us a little about yourself and some of your travel experiences. Yeah, great. So I um I work in London. Uh, I live just outside of London in a in a place called uh, Chorleywood uh, in Hertfordshire, uh, one of the home counties. And um, yes, as you said, I work for an organisation called Christian Concern and and the Wilberforce Academy, training and equipping young Christians to think about. Uh, the key issues facing them today uh, in the world. Um, I've done a, a little bit of traveling. I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm a huge, uh, huge ex. Uh, I haven't had a huge history of traveling. I, I did have a sort of semi gap year after I graduated from university. And so I spent some time uh, out in Hong Kong, uh, which was a really amazing time out with uh, a, a ministry out there called St. Saint, Saint Stephen's Society. And um uh, which is was set up by a lady called Jackie Pullinger, which some people might have heard of. Um, and I also, I also during that time did the Camino de Santiago afterwards, but the the, the Portuguese route. So I went mm. and walked from Lisbon to uh, Santiago de Compostela, uh, and that took me about a month of walking, uh, which was good fun. So that was in uh, January, February, twenty. Uh, 2017 and uh, so that was a great uh that was a it, that was a great experience I think I probably look back on it perhaps more fondly than during the time <laughs> it wasn't um it wasn't the uh most it wasn't the most popular time of the year to do it and also <laughs> it wasn't the most popular route to take so I actually spent a lot of the time on my own um which maybe made it much more of a real experience but it was certainly it was interesting just kind of staying in being by myself basically for long periods of time but um yeah those are kind of my key things and I've been on you know I like to go on holiday abroad so I've visited places in Europe and have been across to America so I've visited New York Memphis Chicago um Detroit um Philadelphia and um so I enjoy that and I've been Canada as well to Toronto and places like that so yeah I do enjoy seeing the world that's awesome and I know that Christ went out into the wilderness a lot to reconnect with God, but 
a full month of walking and kind of being on your own that had to be a lot <laughs> uh, yes it was a uh, it was a really it was a it, I'll be honest it was really hard and it was difficult and I really struggled but you know God is good he sustained me through it um, I think part of the problem as well was my expectations didn't match reality and so um mm. Uh, uh, I think maybe because I, I I was expecting a different type of experience, but I think the one that God had in store for me was the one I needed at the time. So uh, thankful for that, and would definitely consider doing it again. Um, def- certainly. Yeah. How long of a walk was that? Uh, so it was about uh, six hundred kilometers. <laughs> uh, yeah, from beginning to end, and it took me about thirty days. Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> One of your passions, kind of changing routes here, is Christian worldview. And how would you define what a Christian worldview is? So I think what in general, what is a worldview is, is the lens through which we see and interpret and understand all of life and reality. And I think we always need to realize that every single person has a worldview, whether they're a Christian or not. Um, and this is really the the worldview is the assumptions or the the presuppositions that we bring with us when interpreting everything that we see in the world. You know, there's certain things we maybe take for granted that we never really question and things like that. And ultimately, the Christian worldview is the outworking of those assumptions and presuppositions based on well, based on Christian assumptions and presuppositions, or at least that's what it should be. So we. Um, assume for example that the bible is the word of is the word of god that um jesus died and rose again that god created the world and we take those assumptions with us in our lives as we interpret the events in the world as we interpret things that are going on and this shapes every aspect of what we do and live and think and feel um so the Christian worldview, though, could probably be summed up in a sense, and, and this is maybe a framework that we would apply to all things, is we, we look at history and the world and all of life through a creation, fall, redemption, restoration, consummation lens. So, and every, in a sense, every worldview has these questions. We have a, an understanding of where we came from. We have an understanding of creation and and in a sense, creator, well, in a lot of worldviews, there is no creator, but we believe in a personal God um, who intervened into nothingness to create the world out of nothing. We believe there was a fall um, where our first parents uh, disobeyed God and rebelled and that we've inherited that we, we participated in that. And because of that, our inherent desires and nature is fallen and turned away from God. But we believe salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone, um, by grace, through faith. And that on the cross, he died triumphing over death and sin, uh, paying the penalty for our wrongdoing and thus reconciling us to himself. But not just us, but all of life and the world. We see in um, Colossians 1, where we when Paul talks about um, Christ as reconciling all things back to himself. And so we believe all aspects of life can be redeemed uh, to the glory of God. And I think the outworking of the Christian worldview is then applying that framework to all aspects of our lives because God cares about all aspects of our lives. There's no part of our life that he doesn't care about. Um, And so we can do all these things. And so having a Christian worldview is about thinking, 
what does this look like? What what can I be doing in all of these different areas of my life? You said something really interesting there, that this should be the framework that we are applying to all aspects of our lives. But do you see that as Christians being the outlook that they are applying to their lives? So I think there's a problem today where many of us don't step back to think about what does the Christian worldview say about various different issues um, in our lives. And I think that's become a bit of a problem. And, and so we, what we end up doing is we absorb assumptions and presuppositions from the world or from other worldviews, uh, secular worldviews, um, maybe more progressive worldviews or Marxist assumptions or, or all these different things. We absorb them. And sometimes there may be truth in what they're saying. And so we should never be, we should never just say, um, we should never say that there isn't truth in what they're saying. Uh, but the issue is, is when we blur the lines and we absorb those assumptions, which are inherently contra-biblical. So we need to really start thinking about, okay, what does the Bible really say about these questions or what's really being said underneath the statements beneath, beneath uh, what we're hearing? I think a lot of us, um, could be very challenged by this, what you're saying, to be um, questioning what we have been accepting as truth, if it really is aligning up with those biblical concepts. But sometimes I think people are intimidated by just how big the Bible is and how do they determine if something actually holds up with the biblical concept. What is your advice for checking those truths? Well, I think a helpful way to do that is to think about the creation for redemption um, framework again. So thinking about if we take an issue, let, you know, I think, so for example, let's take um, something very uncontroversial like politics. Um, uh, <laughs> if, we, um, if we say, for example, um, you know, in the fall, uh, before creation, um, there would have not been any... Um, uh, there wouldn't have been any poverty, for example. Hmm. And then we can say, okay, so in 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 the fall, um, uh, that affects us uh, and that affects people, and and that has caused um, uh, poverty and uh, economic hardship and these kinds of things. Okay, uh, but we know how is that redeemed? What do we think about in the redemptive um, in the redemption? So we know in 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 the consummation in eternity there will be no poverty. Um, there'll be perfect joy and perfect, um, you know, community. Uh, but what about today? And the, the Bible clearly says things for us about today, about things that we should do to mitigate against poverty. We are called to love our neighbour, for example. We are called to um, be generous. We're called as a church to, as the church, to serve the poor, for example. Um, but what we know is that we do live in that time between the now and the not yet. So we should know, therefore, that we cannot possibly end uh, poverty or we cannot possibly end all inequality, um, whether that's a goal or not, um, uh, because uh, we live in a fallen world. And I think so, for example, if we understand that creation of full redemption paradigm, then we understand that we cannot be pursuing a utopian vision of society, that actually we cannot uh, manufacture a, a, a society to solve all of these different problems. And we realise that actually a lot of problems aren't just explicitly down to environment. So I think uh, a real problem in a lot of secular worldviews today is that 
the only problem in the world today is or is ignorance or its environment. And so the own, all we need to do to change all the problems, social problems in the world, to solve the problem of ignorance, the, the main, how we save ourselves, salvation then becomes through education, for example. Or if mm -hmm. we say um, all the problems in the world, all the social problems are, are because of environment, then all we need to do is change the environment. When we, we realise as Christians that actually, yes, of course, we should fight against unjust structures. Yes, of course, we should um, fight against injustice. But ultimately, um, a lot of these issues are heart issues. And we know that apart from uh, regeneration by the Holy Spirit and being united to Christ by the Spirit uh, and adopted into the Father's family, that ultimately there's only so much change that can happen. So I think having that Christian worldview, for example, guards us against um, uh, utopian uh, sort of dreams in that, in, in that kind of example. I really like um, your method there to look at what it was like in creation when things were perfect, to look ahead to what it will be someday. But right now in the in-between, it is that reliance upon Christ's sacrifice and recognizing that this is a fallen world, but we are still called um, in our faith to show those good works and those good deeds in, in turn as well. Yeah. How do you see this worldview playing a part in travel? Well, I guess we could we could uh, we could have a go at trying to apply. I think the thing is, is I think too many Christians today just don't even ask these kinds of questions. So as in we might disagree, for example, on what this would look like in creation and what it might look like in in the consummation. But the point is, it's about getting Christians asking these these questions. Mm -hmm. So maybe if we were to apply the framework and I'd be interested to hear what you would have to say on this as well. Um, I think we God gives out a mandate to um, uh, humanity to go forth and multiply um, and to go to 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 take dominion, to rule and to subdue the whole earth. Um, mm -hmm. And so that clearly um, signals to me, for example, a, a desire to go out, that we are called to uh, see uh, the world to spread out over the world and um, you know maybe this isn't necessarily explicitly traveling but um and then uh obviously these things have been affected by the fall but in redemption um um i think something we need to really realize is the is the cosmic global nature of the church um uh, or not cosmic nature of the church but the the international nature of the church that god has um chosen the people for himself from every tribe tongue and nation and we read in, um, I think it's uh, uh, Ephesians, um, the end of Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3. Um, God's talking about that, that one church, that there is unity in that one church as one baptism, one faith, one body. Um, and I think that should actually partly be a driving force as well, that when we go across and when we visit all these different cultures, we can actually also experience different ways in which uh, the church is manifesting the way different ways in which the church uh, meets and gathers and as well it goes back to as well understanding that um, God in creation has made all people in his image and there is no um, all these different cultures in the world um, and some aspects of different cultures are bad and we shouldn't be afraid to say that um, but 
in different cultures, there are, there are things that manifest there that are different to us in the West, for example, but which are good. You know, we could go to architecture in, in China and be able to appreciate it for its aesthetic beauty, which is object, objectively, I would argue, glorifying to God. It's, you know, and I think we need to be able to go across all of these different things and say, this is culture and, and we need to be able to appreciate it. You know, some people argue that the cultural mandates, Genesis 128, um, is really about creating culture. So God's created the creation and it's on us to go and to cultivate, to create culture from that. And when we go traveling, what we are doing is we're actually seeing the different ways in which societies, nations have, have, have made that culture and, and been able to um, sort of develop, whether that's technology, whether that's architecture, whether that's art, all of these different areas are in themselves valuable um, because they point towards um, not only uh, uh, our creativity, but God's creativity in and through us. You know, he's given us these gifts and we should be willing to go and find out about how others are using the gifts that God has given them. They may not know that, oh, what they're doing is only by God's grace, uh, but we as Christians should be able to know that. And so I think as we go out and we travel, we see all these different things, it should be something that take, drives us closer to God and to glorify him. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. It is something that we are called to do, and it is an opportunity to worship him as we experience the difference of cultures. And we engage through a Christian worldview as we um reflect on the fact that Christ came for all of us, that um, there's an opportunity to engage in conversation about his love for all of humanity. Are you looking for a faith-based resource for your next travel adventure? Look no further than the Ultimate Travel Kit. This kit includes activities and supplies for large group, small group, and individual travel devotions. It is great for ages high school through retired adults, and it is very easy for leaders to incorporate around any travel itinerary. For more information, go to christiantravelers.net forward slash ultimate travel kit. And that actually leads me to my next question. How do you engage someone who doesn't share that Christian worldview? How do you engage them in conversation? Well, I think um, wherever space they're coming from, we always need to remember that they are image bearers of Christ. Um, I think sometimes we, we forget that when Christians sadly are, you know, rude or um, dismissive of people that they meet who, you know, are lost as just as we were blind, just as we were. Um, and so we certainly need to have a, a love uh, for them, knowing that, you know, in a sense, um, God loves them as well. Um, but maybe it's just some advice for talking about these things is really just to ask questions. That's always my um, go to really, you know, I'm not saying that as soon as you speak to you meet a non Christian, you immediately need to convince them about a biblical view of marriage, for example. Um, but it's really just about realizing that they're just they are normal people as well. Um, you know, sometimes us Christians can and the thing is that I do, in a sense, agree that there's two kingdoms and there's two peoples. And, and in a sense, there is this ongoing battle. But we realize that they are ordinary people. And, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so ultimately realizing when we meet people who aren't Christians, that 
you know there's you know it's a spiritual thing that's holding their hearts back you know their hearts are hard because of because of a spiritual issue um but I would always say, yeah, lead with asking questions, find out about them, find out why they think what they think and why they believe what they believe. Um, because more often than not, they won't have really thought about these different types of questions or they haven't really thought about um, what they understand. And ultimately, I think we need to be more confident as well in in the story of mm. of Jesus Christ, in, in the story of our Christian faith about salvation through Jesus Christ, about the gospel about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, that is a glorious message. And we, I think far too often, we're a bit too embarrassed or ashamed to say it. Um, but I, you know, if, I think sometimes maybe we don't preach the gospel to us ourselves enough. Therefore, we don't think we want to preach it to anyone else. You know, we, we're kind of, we're, we've become bored with the gospel. We've lost our wonder and our joy. Um, mm. And in fact, we should be going out and telling everyone that, um, and I'm not saying I'm doing this, I'm talking to myself right now. Um, <laughs> but we should all be just saying, you know, to anyone that we meet, we should just be bold in talking about our faith. You know, I think maybe lots of people don't really, you know, if you ask them, why is your faith, if we're talking about Christians, if we ask Christians, you know, why is your faith important? I wonder how many would be able to give a real good answer to that. Um, because our faith should impact all of our lives it should be the thing that gets us up in the morning um but far too often i think we we don't think like that and you know i'm not trying to make people feel guilty or anything like that but um in you know in a sense we should just it, our faith should just flow everywhere mm. we go and um uh yeah but in ord ordinary dialogue i'd say just ask questions and invite someone to church you know I, I think we sometimes think people will get more offended than they actually will. Um, you know, just say, I had a great time at church on Sunday. Why don't you fancy coming this week? Yes, uh, these are really great examples. And maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but why is your faith important to you? Well, I, <laughs> um, there's a great C.S. Lewis quote where it says, um, I believe in, I, uh, I think it's, I believe in Christianity in the same way I believe uh, that the sun rises not just because I see it, um, but because by it, I see all things. And I think my faith means so much to me because um, one, it gives total understanding and coherence to the world and the reason that I'm living, you know, without Christ, I do genuinely believe there would be no purpose. Um, secondly, I would say I've been adopted into God's family. I'm, I can cry out to him. I, I no longer have the spirit of slavery. Um, to fall back into fear but I've received the spirit of adoption as a son by whom I cry out of father so I can call out to God who is my father I I'm co-heirs with Christ um, when I turn when I come to God in prayer I'm united to Christ by the Holy Spirit and in the father's presence I mean that is an unbelievable thought to think that we can come into the father's presence um which is uh, amazing. And uh, and similarly, when we meet for worship, we come into the Father's presence and um, we worship him and glorify him. Um, and thirdly, I'll just say it's such a joy, um, you know, to, to know that uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that all my sin and my guilt and my shame, everything that I've done 
uh, has been nailed to the cross. And that's the message we can say to every single person we meet. I think that the world today is carrying so much guilt and shame and burdens, and they need to know that if they turn to Christ, it's gone, it's released. Um, they don't need to carry it anymore. They can cast it upon Christ. And um, I think that is it's just such a reassurance for me in all that I do that, yes, I still mess up. Um, but Christ knew that. Christ knew I was still going to mess up. And I'm not saying, oh, because we're saved, um, we can keep on sinning. Not at all. Um, but what I'm saying is, is I know I don't need to live in bondage that I need to earn my salvation. Um, I can just live in the freedom that God, my father, cares about me and uh, is he's he's cheering me on, you know, uh, <laughs> as I, as and he's invited me to play a part in his plans. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it absolutely is. And thank you so much for uh, answering that question kind of on the spot. <laughs> is there anything else related to Christian worldview that you would like to address? Well, I think there are um, increasingly um, harder and harder challenges for us as Christians, uh, particularly in the West, um, on these issues of Christian worldview. And I think it's hugely important that in these days we we recover that um, sort of tradition of thinking through all these different issues and particularly in areas of things like sexuality and medical ethics. Um, um, you know, these are difficult issues to be speaking into. Um, I'm speaking from a different context to you um, in America. You know, mm -hmm. abortion's not really an issue spoken about at all here. And, you know, whether or not it's always spoken about in the right way in America, I think um, at least it is spoken about. And, and so here and even evangelicals over here, um, and again, even evangelical would mean maybe a slightly different thing here. But, um, you know, a lot of worldly thinking has kind of crept into the church on these different issues. And I think it's hugely important that we disciple ourselves and disciple others in um, thinking through these issues, but then thinking about, okay, then how can we, what, how, what does this mean for us? How does that how does that change how we live? I think, you know, Christian thinking about Christian worldview isn't an academic exercise, you know, in the live, you know, where you sit in a study for hours at a time and then not do anything. It's supposed to change how we live. Um, Christ supposed to change how we live. And so uh, that's really what we need to be thinking about. You know, let's say they take the issue of abortion, for example. Yes, I 100% agree we should be or 100% affirm we should be campaigning to end abortion. Um, and calling for it to be ended immediately. Um, but that also means we are called to look after single mothers. That also means we're called to preach the gospel and to tell those who are dealing with these issues that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that um, all those who are, who are buried under the weight and the shame um, associated with abortion to say, look, just turn to Christ and there is forgiveness, there is wholeness, there is healing. Um, you know, in, in these different issues. Um, and then the same with marriage as well, that we can understand that, you know, Christ clearly calls us to um, the standard of um, when he's talking about divorce, he calls us back to that creational standard of one man, one woman uh, for life. And um, there's, you know, various things and that whole theme of scripture of um, 
a marriage but being between a man and a woman and ending you know creation starts with a marriage and it will end with a marriage um understanding that but then understanding well how does that apply to those with these desires how can we live today how can how can we dare say these things to people well you know paul writes and uh, i think it's first corinthians um six you know he he, he he says and such were some of you but you have been washed you have been sanctified and it's about speaking to the culture that we're not defined by our temptations anymore when we're in christ we're defined by christ's love for us that no longer do we need to carry this identity the world wants to say you're experiencing this or that desire or this or that temptation um, and that defines who you are and so to be who you're made to be um, you need to act on these desires whereas we understand the fall we understand that we're not defined by these things anymore and so we as christians have a much greater message to give people to say you don't need to live by that way. You can live by God's way. You can live by Christ's way. You can release this identity uh, that you have on yourself. And this saying these things is going to become increasingly harder for Christians, particularly in, in America, in Canada, here in England, Scotland. Um, it's going to become increasingly harder uh, to say these things. And so that's why it's more important than ever that we have that robust uh, Christian worldview um, today. Yes, and I, and I like how you are talking about redefining what, as they say, they, they're defining their identity by their sin, but we get to define ourselves as children of God, and that's the message that we get to proclaim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Ben, one of the questions I always like to ask our guests is, what has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? good question um uh so what i would say maybe biggest god moment has been so i was um i went to memphis um with a few friends on a for a conference we were we were there for a conference it was actually a conference on um racial reconciliation in the church um this was uh, in 2018 and um we um went to visit a so on the on the first day uh no on the sunday before the conference we were we were thinking okay which church do we want to go to and my friends that i was with there was three of us and they were like let's go to this church i hadn't heard of it but they had seen some of the talks online and things like that so we went and i was i was i was like we've got to make sure we get invited for lunch um afterwards <laughs> so, so we went to the service and then afterwards we were kind of just lingering. I was like, let's just, you know, we'll linger and just kind of, you know, loiter at the back and maybe someone will invite us for lunch. And um, we ended up, we nearly gave up. And then someone said, um, I won't try and do an American accent, but they um, they <laughs> kindly invited us to their friend's birthday lunch out at a restaurant somewhere uh, in the town. And um we went and basically ended up spending the whole day with them. And in the evening, we ended up at, back at one of their, one of their houses and we were like praying for one another um, and speaking into one another's lives and encouraging one another. And at one point, even my friend was like, I really feel called to um, wash your feet to the person whose um, birthday it was. And, um, and it, 
the main way I'm saying it now maybe sounds all oh, that just sounds quite intense, like you know, Christians being a bit intense. But actually, it was just like it was such a real special day, and it was kind of all started because we uh, went to the church and we ended up basically. Um, they were like really close friends that we we've we're kind of still a bit in touch, and we we ended up spending quite a lot of time with them whilst we were in Memphis. Um, but that first day was just so beautiful, and it just kind of shows what it's you know when we realize that wherever you're from, whoever you are, whatever background you have, if you're in Christ, you're 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 we're one family, um, mm. you know. And so uh, that was I think a huge testament uh, to that. Thank you for sharing that story. That sounds like a beautiful testimony of the Christian family. Well, Ben, we have really enjoyed having you on the podcast. How can our listeners connect with you outside of this episode? Well, I think certainly check out Christian Concern and, and the Wilberforce Academy. You can check out Christian Concern at christianconcern.com. Um, and you can find some information about our Wilberforce Academy uh, on there or go directly to wilberforceacademy.org. Uh, uk and if you just search christian concern on we're on social media twitter instagram facebook um, and on all these different things so do check us out um, and you can keep up to date with what we're doing um, and if you wanted to just uh, i'm on twitter at, at benjamin underscore john uh, so you can see and i often share about the work that we're doing at christian concern and the wilberforce academy Wonderful. And I'll make sure to put links to all of that information in the description below. We have really enjoyed hearing from you, Ben, and thank you so much for encouraging us to uh, boldly go in a Christian worldview. Thank you so much for having me on, Sarah. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and that you will go connect with Ben um, and check out Christian Concern. He certainly has a lot of wisdom and encouragement, and hopefully this will encourage you to ponder how you are walking in your faith and what truths that you're holding on to, where they truly come from. Um, Additionally, please head to our website, christiantravelers.net, to book your next trip and, of course, uh, to gain other faith and travel resources. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.